Welcome to the Fox Pro Podcast, brought to you by Fox Pro Game Calls. Fall Coyote calling. Welcome to the Fox Pro Podcast. On this episode, we've got Big Al Morris on the line. How's it going, Al? Good. How are you, John Collins? Going pretty good. I talked to you there earlier. You said you've been out to, out at the range, uh, making sure your rifles are still on. You got a big trip coming up, don't you? Well, me and Tom are going to head north. We're going to we're going to go try and call some wolves for a couple of days. And if we can't get on the wolves, we're going to go kill coyotes. But uh, you know, when you're calling wolves, you can't shoot the coyotes. And so we're going to dedicate a couple of days, see if we can find them, see if we can get close, see if we can. We would put seven on video in one day and never got none of them killed. And it was just a series of stupid events. And man, if we can go just get one to commit, um, I'm going to put that six, five Creed more to work. Well, I hope y'all get into them. That's for sure. That's a, I think that's a dream hunt for any coyote caller. Any predator hunter is, is get on a wolf, especially calling one in. So I'll be rooting for you guys. That's for sure. Yeah, no, you get, you've I kind of always called myself a wolfer cause that was always the, the guys that did the trapping, did the shooting, all the all the government guys, they were kind of known as wolfers. And I think to be a true wolfer, you got to shoot a wolf, don't you? <laughs> I would th- I would think so. I would be able to call yourself that. But hey, I do have yeah. to say one thing. You know, I interviewed uh, your hunting partner there, Tom Austin, a few weeks ago, and I asked him. I said, I said, tell me, Tom, y'all sitting up on a wolf stand, you're calling. And here comes a coyote or two running in. I said, did they get a pass or not? And his quote was right from Tom Austin said, Hey, we're hunting with Al. Nothing gets a pass. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's really hard for me to, especially up there in Idaho, Montana, you're calling in those big fluffy coyotes. And even now they'll be, they're already starting to wool up now. And man, when you call in one of them big coyotes, a few years ago, we called in a double, and we were we we had wolves on camera in this area. And man, we called in a double, and and I probably shot them both right out just because I couldn't <laughs> let them walk. I that's the <laughs> truth that you know that Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Oregon, all that stuff up in there is you know you get this time of year, them coyotes are they already look pretty fluffy. They kind of stay a little fluffy year round. So I they're well if they don't they they freeze and and uh, it's just and it's so much public land. Don't you wish everybody would understand how much public land they have access to. And they just go, uh, you know, several States, Utah, Nevada, Wyoming, Montana, no license requirements whatsoever. Right. 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 And, and so, it's o- open to everybody. We all own it. You know, you own that's it. That's all I public it. land. And that, that's the other thing we got to remember is that's our land. And when these people dictate to us what we can do on our own land, that's when you got to draw a line. These states that want to do away with contest calling and and stuff, it's just, man, we need to stay together on this. No doubt, no doubt. Well, well, tell me how your range day went. Could you hit anything? How far out did you shoot Shoot your rifle? No, I, uh, I've got a couple little metal coyote targets, in, and I took that 6.5 Creedmoor with that 95-grain VMAX I've been, you know, I, I called you last week and I said, what did you think about, do you think that 95 green, grain VMAX is enough to, to thump a wolf? Man. And at three and 400 yards, when I'd hit that little metal target, I'd have to go set it back up sometimes because that 95 grain VMAX is slapping it so hard. And I had metal stakes holding it up, but damn, it's hitting so hard, it'll knock that metal right over it. 400 oh, yards man i don't think yeah. you'll have any trouble at all i mean how many deer even elk has been 
have been dispatched oh. with a six five creed. I mean, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. A, yeah, I don't want to be a wolf that gets within four hundred yards of Big Al Morris next week. No, I, uh, I, you know, I was trying to decide between the one forty three ELDXs, got some one forty seven ELD matches, and then got them ninety five grain V Max, and I just think that ninety five that V Max bullet was designed for varmint slash coyote slash. And, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to shoot a deer with it. I wouldn't. I just, it's so devastating on coyotes. And like I said, I've yet to shoot a wolf with it, but I'm going to try and find out. Nah, I think it'll, I think it'll be money. Like I said, hopefully, hopefully you guys get into them. But on this episode, we're going to discuss fall coyote calling. We're in mid-September now. When this time frame rolls around, the family groups have, you know, kind of started to string out a bit. The yearlings are out hunting on their own now. And even though the family members are stringing out, they're usually staying in the same general area. This is, oh, this is an awesome time to be a coyote caller. Usually the action is extremely fast, and you can really stack up those doubles, triples, and quads. You know, it's just a great time of year to get into those multiples. Al- now is the time. There's the more coyotes right now. I mean, from the moment they're born, they start dying. You know, they can get parvo. They can get distemper. You know, there's all kinds of things kill pups. And, right. you know, man guys in june july say man i heard a ton of coyotes and then september rolls around and everybody wonders where their coyotes went well sometimes those those uh parvo and distempers will run through an area and wipe out your pup population it doesn't affect the adults as much right but uh but this time of year if they've successfully evaded getting too many fleas getting that to parvo or that distemper um it is the most coyotes and this is the time of year of the dispersal which it's fascinating when I listen to you talk to uh, Tory Cook there of MFK Game Calls and and how he you know watches these coyotes start their dispersal, how they start getting ornery with each other there in July and August, and now we're in September October. I know this is when mom and dad kick the pups out, right? And right. those pups, the only reason they kick the pups out is them pups aren't really hanging out with them anymore anyway. They're kind of on their own. These pups have already learned how to hunt. They, I mean, they either they either get good or die. I mean, exactly. that's it. Exactly. They ain't sharing food no more. <laughs> no. And it, and it's just one of those deals where, um, it sounds cruel and it sounds, man, I wish we could kick teenagers out like they do, man. I got, and, and, I got one. I'd like to kick out right now. Eat me out of house <laughs> and home begging for, you know, fixing turn 17, begging for oh, new vehicles yeah. that I ain't got money to buy and eats oh, four yeah. times as much this, as I do. <laughs> I need that. And you, man, oh man, it adds up quick, but irregardless of that, we can make fun about it. But these, these teenage coyotes are out on their own and there is no better time. Everything comes into play. Now, every scenario you can think of will be successful this time of year. But first and foremost, as we turn the corner here in September, October, November, um, in particular, September, October, these coyotes have one thing in mind, and it doesn't matter whether they're old coyotes, young coyotes, they all want to eat because there's something happening to their hide. Yep. They're coming out of this slick summer hide, and they're starting to grow this big, woolly, hairy, furry thing they're going to need to get through the winter, that fur coat of theirs. Yep. And that takes a lot of caloric intake. I don't think people understand and it's not as, uh, you know, it's not as big a deal in Texas, South Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. 
I don't think the Coyotes there in South Texas, even Southern Arizona, California, the places that we know are the, the call it the the banana belt, if you will, of the United States. It never really gets cold in some of those areas, so those it's not as big a deal to those Coyotes. But you give you get above that midline that. Oklahoma North, um, you know, Nebraska, Kansas, all across the Midwest, the Carolinas, um, anything up north of that, um, these coyotes have got to put on the fur coat. And the only way they do that is by eating. So I really think this is the transition from going to the pup distress, the pup fights, the vocalizations, this is where it switches, and you can get away playing more of the prey distresses, the rabbit distress, the bird distress, the deer fawn distress. Um, they've been hammering these deer all summer now to feed these pups. Now the pups are on to the deer. You know, they did a study, John, in, in uh, Pennsylvania, and they were collecting coyote poop. And guess what percentage of coyote poop white-tailed deer made in a coyote poop you know if they collected 100 samples of coyote poop what do you think the percentage of white-tailed deer was present in that poop man i i you know i don't know the number but if i was guessing i would say it's between 80 to 100 percent because it's their it's most readily available food source through the summer months 80 percent yeah the rest the other 20 percent can make up anything from watermelon, you know, vegetation, <laughs> grasshoppers. Yeah. And that all the way through the mice, the rabbits, the moles, the voles, the small ground dwelling mammals, 80% of what they collected in a, in a study had white tailed deer in it. I, I believe it. So, I, t- I tell you what, Al, you, you made it, you said a phrase there that I think is very key for, uh, how we should be calling, year round and you said transitions you know that's kind of how i bust up my calling season is is all the transitions that coyotes go through you know they went through uh denning and pup rearing season you know we're at the end of that pup rearing season going into uh and you talked about uh what tory how he defined the stuff he actually defined this time period as family bust up and then he said like you mentioned that uh november early december time frame he actually calls that what is actually the dispersal one of those pups are actually 100 percent you know resilient self-relying coyotes is that time yeah. frame and uh, i say he hit it pretty spot on because i mean who else would have the knowledge like it besides for tory cook because he's practically living with these daggone coyotes and raising them and watching them branch out on their own and you know he's he's collected a lot of data over the last few years and uh but i think you hit the nail right on the head when you said when you mentioned transition because that's what we're in right now we're coming out of that denning season and the pup rearing season going into that family bust up time frame and and i think you're spot on too about uh you know this is this is the time you know generally Throughout these summer months, we've played very little prey distress, and we have. It was the deer sound you was mentioning, but now it's time right. for it's time for things to change. It's time to start mixing in some of those uh, prey distress sounds into our calling sequence, like the rabbits and birds and that type of stuff. You want to talk about that a little bit more, Al? Well, and you know, so my my main my main thought process is they've got to put that tuxedo on, yep, and so they've got to eat to do it. The other flip side of that is that adult female. He has to get herself in enough shape 
so that she can have another litter of pups. So that means she's got to be pretty damn healthy to, uh, to ovulate and have, you know, six to eight, 10 pups, you know, in a normal condition, a coyote will have four to six pups. If there's other adults chewing and fighting for area, if the area is wide open and there's boon of food, they can have 12 to 16 pups. So that female's got to be in shape. So the pups are learning to feed, they're learning to hunt and feed. The female's got to eat. And of course the male's going to do whatever he needs to do to, to be the dominant male. He's going to keep eating and putting the feed bag on. So he gets more pounds on to be that fighting shape. And so when I talk about prey distress, there's so many prey distresses we can fire on, you know, the 75% of you know, and, and I'm a Western guy, so I've studied more Western coyotes than even, you know, I don't know much about Arkansas coyotes. Like Tori, he's a professional in Arkansas coyotes because that's where he's been studying them. And you're probably a professional on Kentucky coyotes because that's where you've been studying them your whole damn life. And, and so when I talk about 75, 80% of a coyote's diet being small ground dwelling mammals, you know, I think that's true in Pennsylvania, but I think they eat a lot of white-tailed deer. So that being said, when I play prey distress, I primarily talk about the rabbit distresses, the cottontails and, you know, the lagomorphs, the cottontails and the jackrabbits. And I've got more cottontails and jackrabbits, definitely more jackrabbits in the western half of the United States than there are in the eastern half. In the eastern half, there's more cottontails. But you can't forget about those small, the vole squeaks is a sound that I can't believe how effective that's been. Since I started working at Fox Pro 13, September 6th, there'll be 13 years I've worked for Fox Pro. Awesome. And uh, the best sound I've, you know, one of the most consistent sounds I've used is vole squeaks. And it took me a couple of years to figure that out. Bob Morris is the one that turned me on to that. He'd been using it in California and he said, if you get a coyote hung up at two, three, four hundred yards, turn on bull squeaks and watch what happens. And damned if we didn't put it on video, that coyote radars and runs right down there, hundred and something yards, and I dumped him on video. And it was the, ever since then, bull squeaks has become an integral part right. of my prey distress sounds. But you can't skip the rabbits. And honestly, you know, you can talk about all the rabbits that we've ever played throughout the years, but. I mean, you really can't beat Lightning Jack has got to, there has to be more coyotes killed from Lightning Jack than any other sound. And then baby cottontail. And then you start getting into the um all the other cottontails that uh uh oh, Fox Pro has K put out. KG Cottontail, Adult Cottontail, Eastern Cottontail, Mrs. McCottontail, Mr. McCott. I mean a list just goes on. They're all killers. All killers. No. And now we got some jackrabbits that are just off the charts, you know, yep. um, not just lightning Jack, but uh, devil bunny. And, and I mean, just, there's so many of those, you know, adult jackrabbit, yep. you know, the snowshoe it's, sound, it's, snowshoe hair, HP, HP, yeah. there is a ton of guys that know that snowshoe HP has been probably their number one sound throughout, you know, I just think there's something, and that's the other thing I want people to understand is just because you don't have snowshoe hares doesn't mean a coyote won't come to it. I know in California one year, um, there isn't a snowshoe until you get up into the high Sierras towards, you know, Nevada border and that. But uh, down there in the vineyards, all I had to do was turn on snowshoe HP. And 
I, they must have thought it sounded just like the the cottontails that lived right there in the vineyards. Because man, would, yeah. would they run through? It doesn't have to be endemic to the area you're in. No, and to I be can, successful. I can I can kind of add to that a little bit. It's been it's been a few years now, probably four or five years ago. I was hunting with with Jeff, you know, our buddy Jeff Ryder, who is down in Kansas, and uh, you know that area of Kansas. There's it's just cottontail country. There's no jackrabbits. There's no uh, snowshoes, but, uh, we were having, we were hitting a dry spell. We started off slow. We wasn't calling nothing. And we were very prey to stress heavy. And we was playing like a couple different, uh, um, cottontail sounds, you know, going, playing one, four to six minutes and then following with another one. And then I got, you know, we just wasn't calling anything, finishing with some fights and pup distresses and stuff. Well, I started playing a third rabbit sound, you know, hitting it around that 10 11 12 minute mark and that was snowshoe hair hp just giving it a try just trying to find something these coyotes are biting on man we went from slow calling to dynamite calling i mean and it was always on that 13 minute mark when i was playing after a minute or two of that snowshoe hair hp we was calling doubles triples all these singles even killed a bobcat or two to it and finally i looked at jeff said hey I'm going to start leading with this no-shoe hair HP. It's what they're coming to. Guess what? We started calling in them coyotes in the first three or four sooner, minutes. Yeah. Sooner in the sequence. It has something. I Honestly, I, I, I can't explain it. I really can't, John. But I think there are days that the barometric pressure, that particular temperature, and that particular pitch yep. is traveling better and sounds more authentic to the, the ears of those coyotes. And that's why changing sounds and trying to find that sound that'll cut through the air. Now it could be moisture content. It could be, you know, there's lots of things that we don't understand right, that we can't, right. our ears are not as good as a coyote ears. They're just not. I mean, and I just think there are days that that sound and that particular, that snowshoe HP, obviously was cutting through that moisture cutting through that air whatever you want to call it those coyotes and when they heard it it triggered something way down deep inside of them right to go holy shit that that rabbit needs eight right now right exactly you know and i've done that with with sounds on kind of the total opposite end of the spectrum as well like the old original jackrabbit distress it's more deeper yes. tone and you know yep. i've done the same thing with that start playing that and next thing you know you go from slow calling to fast pace everybody action. raves about coyote pup distress three but coyote pup distress two and coyote pup distress those two original sounds that were recorded 20 years ago yep still have their days that they outperform yep. you know yep some of the newer pup distresses and you can't skip some of the old school OG sounds. You can't. You don't know what day they're going to fire. I mean, for instance, one time I was with Brian Trussell, and we were out in New Mexico, and it was one of my favorite episodes I ever filmed for Fur Takers, the old Fur Taker uh, show. Me and Trussell were out there, and I'd play seven minutes of Lightning Jack. And for whatever reason, and it was November, I would switch to Woodpecker Distress. And every coyote that showed, I don't know if they were coming to uh, Lightning Jack. I just don't. But when I would switch to that woodpecker, add that bird, that high-frequency, frantic woodpecker distress, and even um, Lucky Bird yep. was working that time, too. For some reason, 
by playing the rabbit for seven minutes and then playing lucky bird or woodpecker for seven minutes, we were shooting all the coyotes at 10 to 12 minutes and they were, they were screaming and they would run in and run out that none of them would come in and post. We had to shoot every one of them on the move. Right. Cause they coming in, coming to the college. No, they come in they were just doing drive-bys. It was crazy. Yeah. And man, that'll test your shooting skills when you, got coyotes that you all you got your rifle they're coming into 50 yards and as soon as you go to woofing or cutting the sound i'd shut the sound off or volume down like i always do try and get those coyotes to check up man they would turn and burn and there was no rhyme or reason as to why that particular prey distress starting with the rabbit and then going and then there's been times i was in uh alberta canada I could play every sound I had. I could start out with the rabbits. I could go to different things. If I played pup screens, coyotes were running from distance, running into us. Yep. And I honestly think it was the pup screens was just loud enough and had just enough piercing sound to get through the moisture in the air, that cold, really cold Alberta wind. And uh, that's what the coyotes were coming to. So you need to figure out this time of year, you're not sure whether it's going to be the rabbit they fire on. You're not sure whether it's going to be the bird distress. And we can talk about the bird distresses. That woodpecker has become my ultra favorite. Lucky birds always been a solid of mine, but nutty nuthatch. Yep. Um, then the ranting red bird. And there's just so many of those. There's, there's um, been a sound you've been using for the last couple of years. which one of our newer sounds that I noticed you liked a lot. A lot. Is it, uh, is it Brown thrasher or thrasher? thrasher. Yep. Yeah. And titmouse tantrum. You can't skip those sounds for whatever reason. And I mean, I'm trying to think what I was playing when that coyote jumped up in the tree in Arizona. Yeah. Um, yeah that's it was a, one of those. With Tom, it, with Tom I, Austin, awesome. Yeah, awesome. no, it, it was one of those woodpeckers. I'm pretty sure that coyote jumped up in that tree six feet because Tom Austin put that collar six feet up, and that coyote. How many woodpeckers is that some bitch ripped out of a tree by jumping up and grabbing? <laughs> he knew he knew exactly what he was doing. And you guys go go to our YouTube channel, Roku channel. Uh, Carbon TV, wherever you can find Fox Pro Hunting TV, watch those, watch these past episodes, and you'll see exactly what uh, Al's talking about. Is a pretty, pretty awesome call in. And and Al, I want to touch on something that you said there just a few minutes ago. Uh, you were talking about being expert on like Western coyotes and talking about Tory down in Arkansas and guys in PA and then here Kentucky. You know, I think uh, what kind of shows through right there is is really coyotes when it comes to the time of year when they're really starting to bulk up like you're talking about so they can grow that winter fur and all that type of stuff um, and the females getting ready for the next season, I really think that a lot of times, you know, this doesn't really have to do with uh, the uh, sound frequencies and all that type of stuff that cuts through, gets coyotes to come, but, you know, you was talking about that they'll, they'll prey on certain type of animals in certain different places at different times of year uh, i think yes, a lot sir. of times what it comes down to is they're just going after what is the most readily available food like here in kentucky uh through june and july if they were feeding heavily on prey to prey type animals it was those white-tailed deer fawns because that was the most readily available food well now those fawns that have made it through they're they're a little bit tougher to tackle than they were back in June. You know, yeah, they're, they're not going to stand there and let a right, coyote eat them right. like they did in June. So now they're going to transition over whatever is the most easy 
to catch most readily available food, which, like you said, is going to be like your rabbit-type stuff, your your birds, your squirrels, your rodents, your all that type mammals. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think it's, it's just one of those transition periods. It's not just what was transitioning in, a, in the coyote itself, but the other species of stuff that they feed on that surrounds them. You know, like I said, those fawns are a little tougher now for them to, to feed on because they're just a bigger animal, harder for them to take down. But those little rabbits are still pretty daggone easy for them to grab. Or turkeys, yeah. turkey poats, and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything's maturing through this summer. I think every, you know, spring is the season of the babies. Yep. And that mids that June, July, everything, I don't think they have to hunt real hard to find a whitetail fawn. I don't think they have to hunt real hard to find a covey of quail, a covey of uh, turkeys, you know, right. those poults and yep. stuff like that. But now everything's older. They've been down the block. If, they, if they've made it to this point in time, if they've made it to October, <laughs> they're, they're, they've been there, done that a time or two. The hawks, the eagles, everything's been trying to eat them poults. <laughs> yep. And if they've made it to this point in time, they're, they're going to be pretty solid on their defense. Right. The same thing with their everything else. And, and I think, uh, you know, I really think I didn't realize and I've told you about the sequence and I really think all coyotes are territorial. And so that's why I start out with the two. If we, if we were going hunting tomorrow and I'm going to do this up in Idaho this week, I'm going to lay out two single lone house. And I've really settled on C5 young coyote Hal and little B whimper pup Hal from MFK. Yep. I have, and I know this time of year, I better have the safety off and I better be in them swaggers because I know just by howling into an area, even if the pups are there, the adults, it doesn't matter. They're going to be like, who is this? And why are they in our area? And they are going to eat our food. Yep. And I think that territorial is the initial thing. And then I will sit and wait. And all summer I skipped, I skipped the prey distress part, but now October 1st, even September 15th, um, September 1st, I think these everybody's got to grow this tuxedo they're going to wear through the summer or through the winter. And I really think that if I wait two, three minutes after that lone howl and I'm not pulling the trigger, then all I got to do is send out KG Cottontail, Mrs. McCottontail, Mr. McCottontail, I'm going to find, and my favorite, ultra favorite rabbit sound right now is the new Baby Jack. Baby Jack. I have, yep. I have just been stroking coyotes when I play this Baby Jack. It's not very loud, even on 30, 35. I really have a hard time with my bad hearing. I have a hard time hearing that speaker at 35, 40 yards if it's faced away from me. I can't always tell that sounds running. If I get 70, 80 yards, if I put that collar out at 100 yards, and and here's the thing, guys and gals, I don't think they understand, some people understand, you can position coyotes with the X-24, with those new collars, the prowlers and the prowler pro and that uh, hellcat um, hellcat and hellcat pro oh it's the okay yeah see i gotta i gotta get one still and <laughs> I, that, hellcat, I, not to that cut you off but that pro. hellcat that hellcat pro the other two collars the hellcat and the prowler are great units too you got uh got new remotes for them a lot larger screen for those old guys like you uh al that can't see very well you're talking about good here <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah can't hear, the, can't see. Yeah, the, the screens are a lot bigger. They're a really nice units for you guys looking for more of a starter style unit. Then we get to that Hellcat Pro. Man, that's yeah. a nice little unit right there. Hell, that thing is loud. It's got larger amplifiers in it. Uh, it's got the TX-1000 remote. Comes with a built-in decoy and also comes with a rechargeable lithium battery pack. And that little sucker is loud. Well, and it's made in America by hardworking yes, Americans sir. in Lewistown, Pennsylvania. Yes, so, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm just telling you, if you will howl and then go into that distress, and you need to find out what distress is what they're really hammering right now. It may be the vole squeaks. Yep. It may be belding squirrel. Right. It may be prairie dog distress. And just because you don't have a lot of prairie dogs in PA, don't think for a second I wouldn't try that prairie dog because it, it may sound like a squirrel to them. Yeah. It may sound like something they're it's feeding kinda, heavily. It's kind of got like a, a baby type rabbit distress type sound to it. It's oh, a nice yeah. sound. It's a nice sound. And I honestly think most of the coyotes I've ever called into Nutty Nuthatch came because I really think Nutty Nuthatch could be a baby cottontail. Yeah. You know, a couple baby cottontails I've got to squealing. I was like, that sounds just like Nutty Nuthatch. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and man, I, there's been days all I had to do was turn on Nutty Nuthatch and I was pulling the trigger. So you've got so many and then you can't skip the deer. You can't skip the fawn distress, the mule deer fawn distress, the antelope fawn distress, and then kid goat distress. Um, I know that uh, Levi Johnson out there in Winnet, Montana played it for yeah. you. Yep. Yeah, no, we, and he, we, call, we call coyotes to it. Yep. No, they. it sounds just like a fawn in distress. It yep. really does. I actually, I, I actually like it. it. I actually like it better. I like the, uh, well, you know, the coyotes like it too. That's one thing that made me like it better. How to see how the coyotes come to it, but it's just got a different rhythm to it. And, uh, yeah. man, I, no, I, mean, I like it. And I think I can get a wolf to come to it. Oh, and I've been man. watching some of those guys that kill wolves. I've been, I've been studying a lot of wolf video this week and that Sterling outdoors up there in Idaho, you know what he plays the most of? No idea. Uh, adult cottontail well that's what tom said he really likes his adult cottontail yeah, so no yeah. you play that adult cottontail and i mean they obviously can't turn it down right. if they're hungry if they're if they're they got any hunger pains at all and that's why we're going a little early all the elk hunt starts you know september 1st yep so up there and and we're gonna try and get there for there's a lot of gut piles and stuff right. and hopefully right. Hopefully they've leaned, you know, wolves are vacuums. They'll, they'll, they'll vacuum up everything. So hopefully we can get to calling for there's many gut piles around and for they, for they get this boon wounded animals that they clean up and stuff. Hopefully we can get on some of that, but the coyotes there, it's amazing to me how uh, the coyotes are living right there with the wolves and they'll still howl. They'll still do stuff, but they know to keep their distance from them wolves. It's pretty amazing that there's such survivors that they can live right in with a pack of wolves and, and still raise their young and, and do everything a coyote does. And, you know, I base the whole year of coyote calling around that event of breeding, having their pups, they get them through the summer and now they're kicking them out. And this September, October, um, you know, down South, the uh, Tories observed it in November, December. Um, I think in this intermountain country, in this Rocky mountains, I really, I've seen, I've seen all the coyotes together in September that, that family breakup i've seen it in september where the pups will come i watched a big male on a on a pond dam 
And every coyote that came to him tucked their tail up under their chin and would walk up to him and acknowledge him. And then, man, you could tell they were just off. They were off. They were off hunting on their own. Yep. You know, they they'd said hi to dad, and you could yep. tell the they were going to be in the gen. They were going to be in the general area, but mom and dad had already laid the law down. You boys, you girls, you you're gone. You got to get the fending, hell out of here. Fending on their own, right? Yeah, we're, we got to raise next year's pu- group of pups, and you're not going to be part of it. And and I've seen down in Kansas and Oklahoma where they retain uh, young of the year. It might be a a, a runt uh, might be there's just a young female she'll mom and dad will tolerate her they'll let her hang out and uh they'll keep her as a helper yep. to grow that next next batch right. of pups yeah, and it's, see, it's, see that a lot yeah it's interesting to me that you know there's 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 so social and i really think that's why um you how Give it a couple minutes. Play your play your prey distress. Is it your is it rabbit? Is it going to be a bird? Is it going to be a fawn? Is it going to be a, a small ground dwelling mammal, mole, vole, mice? I mean, you can't skip those sounds. And then this time of year, out west, we have magpies, we have ravens, we have crows, we have the corvids, and so you've seen me on video a thousand times in Nevada. I will be playing ravens or or magpies on the on the fox pro, and I will be using one of my hand calls to make that rabbit distress, you know. And I really think the more realism that gives to a scenario in the fall of the year, that September, October, I really like playing some corvids because they're in a, they're in competition to eat just like the coyotes. And uh, I think if you will add some of those you can add a, a J you can add some of those uh, corvid sounds that may indicate to a coyote that's out there at three, 400 yards. Is this real? Is this not all of a sudden the prey distress stops, but he hears that uh, crow. He hears that Raven going, ah, you know, and they're like, Oh man, they're going to eat that. If I don't get there, right. Speeds them up. And a it little gives bit. it, it really gives them a sense of urgency. It's that competition. I really think they're in competition with other coyotes. They're in competition with the birds. They're in competition with their the mates they grew up with. First one there wins. It'd be like me and you sitting in the in, in at the airport and we look over and there's a McDonald's and they said free Big Macs to the first five people. I'm gonna knock you down. You're gonna be and number gonna one, run. ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's really this time of year. That's how you got to look at this. Yeah. And so then do you start out soft? Do you start out loud one year? And, and when you get Garvin young, we're going to, I'm going to make you get Garvin young on a podcast. Cause he, he is the only other four time world champ. Man, I built can't, wait. Rules. can't wait. Um, one year he set up his shockwave to uh cal's cottontail and he set it off at like 32 he he volumed up to 32 and when he turned it on the first time he was like whoa and he's voluming down and i, I shotgunned a coyote at 10 yards <laughs> come barreling into it oh he and so then that's when i realized it isn't always best to start out soft for whatever reason, that whole weekend, 
He turned it on, letting it eat at 32 volume out of a 40-stage volume on Cal's Cottontail, which is not a very loud sound anyway. Right. We shotgun 12 of the 18 coyotes we shot to win that world championship. Right, right. Hey, I've and never, the- I've never felt like loud volume has ever spooked a coyote on me. And just for example, last week, just kind of going off what you said there, Al, um, I had the X24 setting up on a T post, you know, on a Fentro. So it was elevated yes, about three and a half foot, four foot off the ground. Well, in my, in my presets, I've got MFK's Camir Lonely, one of my favorite house to run year round. I've got that thing sitting on 34, which is, <laughs> which is ripping, right? No, that's as loud. You, you <laughs> should never, honestly, on a 40 stage volume, you should never go over 35. Well, unless it is so windy, you can't hear yourself. Think. So, so I hit play on that 34 on the X24 Camir Lonely, and it gets through the third howl. And out in front of that, I got to call sitting out there at about 30, 40 steps, you know. <laughs> and at about 30 or 40 steps out in front of the X24, guess what? A coyote stands up. A coyote yeah. was up there, laid, laid up, bed up in his prairie. He had his tail wrapped around and his head, I'm sure. Did you, yeah, you walked right up. Where was that at? As in Kansas. That was in Kansas. Yeah. And Coyote had not a clue that I'd walked up and set that call out there. You know, I tried to stay quiet and all that. But anyway, I ripped yeah. out that sound on 34. Now, if you guys want to know how loud that is, take your X24, put it up on a post, <laughs> get it elevated, go 40 yards in front of it, and put it on Camille Lonely on, on 34 Don't and see how it. loud that Don't is. Don't do it. It'll blow your eardrums out. But what I'm getting at, it didn't spook that Coyote. That Coyote nope. stood up there and, you know, he wasn't running off. Now, we had a had a friend with us that uh, was along for the ride, and we watched it. Let that coyote stay. We actually let him stand there for like two minutes. We was wanting to see if any other coyotes responded. And finally, yep. I looked over at him. I said, "I said, Josh, quick, kill that coyote. We'll, we'll keep calling after that." Uh, he shot like four foot over top of it. Thing. I let him sit there and stare at that coyote too long. I guess he missed it. I'm talking about slick missed it, son. <laughs> but my point is that loud volume did not scare that coyote. Yeah, but you're telling stories on Kinsler now. He's going to be mad at you. That's right. Hey, I, I, I tell you what, did scare it. On that 22-250 bullet whizzed over top of his head. He got the heck out of there then. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's something amazing about that. Even shooting suppressed with them Huxworks, they still seem to know where that danger's at, and they really yeah. get good at getting away from it. I, I always talk to you. You've talked about you like to open your stand up with you like C5 Young Coyote Howls. We know you love that uh, little B Whimper Howl uh, this time of year. So you're running those howls and you're playing some kind of prey distress. Uh, what yes, about sir. what about later in the stand? Do you like uh, to play any kind of like coyote social type thing, sounds? This time, of year, this, this time of year, the thing you need to go right to with that 10, 12 minutes after I really like to give my my rabbits, my birds, I really give them seven to eight, 10 minutes. Why do I give my rabbits in those seven, eight, 10 minutes? Why do you want to play that prey distress? Now I'll break it up. I won't play it constant. I, I'll, I'll play for a minute off 30 seconds, yeah. play for a minute, but that seven, eight, 10 minutes is when I like to transition into the next sound. But I really think that if a coyote's within one mile of you, it takes them seven minutes at yeah. a good trot. You, you've, got, you've got to give them time to get there. You've got and to give I them time to respond to it. I don't know how many hundreds of coyotes I've been. I will. I'll look at my remote. I don't look up. 
you know, Mike always talks about getting your eyes off the remote and looking for coyotes. Yep. For whatever reason, I'm not, I'm zoning out. I'll look at my remote. I'm at eight minutes, nine minutes, 10 minutes, and I'll just go to this pup fight. I'll do, I'll go to pups fighting, which is a little bee stanky fight. I'll go to one of the fights and damn it. The coyote that's jogging in stops at 200 yards. Right. Gave him another minute. I know if I'd have just gave him another 30 seconds, he'd have been at a hundred yards. Yep. And damn it. So always scan always at that seven minutes, start looking because if they were a mile away, three quarters of a mile away, mile and a quarter, they're going to be in They're They're in the zone now, right? That's seven to 10 minutes. They're at distance if they didn't hear. And then that's when I'll switch to the pup fights. You want to sound like you, 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 you lay out the scenario every time you call. And I really think I didn't realize I had gaps in my, in the calling until I really got this full MFK library. And now with the Fox pro library and all the sounds that Steve spent the years putting on and recording, and then to have the MFK sound library on top of that, there are no gaps. I really don't think there is another provider of sounds that I could get a sound from that works any better than the sounds I have available to us now. And I really think that at that seven to 10 minutes, if you will play some kind of fight, we, we howled, we played the prey distress and now we're fighting over it. And I really think the two howls, the lone howls, let coyotes in the area know there's other coyotes, strange coyotes in their area. Then they hear the distress, and they might be educated coyotes. They may have, they might be the smartest coyotes on the planet. They might be sitting there at 300 yards going, yeah, it sounds good. Um, and they may start circling downwind, but when you go to fighting over it and you start throwing in some pup screams, and then you go back to some fights, and then pups three one four. My gosh, that yep. pup distress three pup pie, pup three one four. John, the last that last trip to New Mexico, well, you saw the video. Yes, sir. Um, it was stupid how them coyotes were coming to it, and I just think that that distress that pup. And I'll play the fights first this time of year, and then the distressed pup. And then I go into the serious fights. You can't skip the the den mayhem. You can't skip the pound town. You can't skip table scraps. So you're that so is, you're playing. You're starting off with some pup howls, then going to prey distress, and then you're playing yeah. your pup fights, followed by pup distress, and pup then distress. at the end you're finishing with an all out adult type or sub adult type brawl, fight. Yep, yep. Table scraps, pound town, den mayhem, and then. I will not leave a stand this time of year without playing Pup Distress 3 oh, you and to. some Pup yeah. Screens. Yep. You can't. And honestly, John, I'll throw a diaphragm in my mouth that uh, those howlers that we make, that, uh, loaded that gun, white loaded, ones. Yeah, yeah the lo- I the think Top Gun. or Top Gun. And the Smoking Gun. Smoking that, I think gun. that Smoking, smoking Gun is the white. One, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my that favorite one. That is my that is my favorite. It's the white with the red latex. Mm-hmm. And yes, yes. I'm telling you, if you can just throw while you're doing the pup fights, if you can just, you've heard me throw in those diaphragm whimpers and whines and, and yips. I just, it sounds like a group of pups have wandered into an area that they don't belong. They're fighting over 
the rabbit that they heard for 10 minutes, eight minutes, seven minutes, it doesn't matter. And they heard him howl. They heard the rabbit. They heard him fighting over it. They're yipping and yiping and whining and fighting over it. And now they're really fighting over it. And, and they're distressing over it. And I'm just telling you what, I don't think you give me that smoking gun. You give me any of the Fox pros with the big screens, little screens, doesn't matter. I don't think there's a coyote in North America. I don't think there's a coyote in South America. I don't even think they're called coyotes down there. I think they call them wolves. I just don't think You're going those coyote. canines can stay away from me. I don't. Al, how long, how long are your coyote stands this time of year through September and October? Well, so filming and for fun, I'm staying 20, 25 minutes now. Yep. Because it's so hard, that camera is so bulky that uh, you've got to maximize your time on stand. And you just, you know, it's so hard on that equipment in and out of the truck. Now, if I'm contest calling, John, although the reason we won four and there's only a couple guys alive with two is because uh, we'd only make eight to 10, 12 minute stands tops. Right. And we're running, we would make 35 stands in a day. That's getting it. And we were we were going to call coyotes in on half of those stands and we were going to kill every one of them. And if you didn't make 35 stands and you didn't hit on half of them, you would not beat us. Right. And uh, that's why we finished more than the four world championships. We finished in the top 10, 22 of the 24 years we hunted. Awesome. And, and that, that's the record I'm most proud of is to stay in the top 10 when it was a traveling championship. Um, it used to be in Nevada. It used to be in, uh, Arizona, New Mexico. Um, it didn't stay. It was only two years in one location and then it moved. And, uh, when you can call coyotes in four different States uh, and no home field advantage and still finish in that top 10 with the best coyote hunters in the world, that's something to be proud of. That's and we did it. Up, we did it. Um, before we had a Fox pro, you know, we didn't start we didn't start really messing with Foxborough till 2010. I mean, 2005, we might've, we, and they were out in 97, you know, 96, 97 is when they started the, the Fox pros coming out. And, uh, we, me and Garf primarily did it with a diaphragm in my hand and a Cersei rabbit call in Garf's hands. I would do enough vocalizations on the diaphragm and Garvin would make enough rabbit sounds on that Cersei. We actually were doing my sequence that I talk about so handily now. We were doing the sequence before the sequence had sounds on a unit. We were doing that sequence. I would howl on the diaphragm. We'd wait a couple minutes. Garvin would blow on that Cersei. I would start doing pup distress, pup, you know, whimpers. I didn't realize it was kind of a pup fight thing I was doing on a diaphragm. And we were pulling the trigger on coyotes. And, uh, now to have it on a unit, I look down at my remote and play all those sounds. We used to fight in my, in negative degree temperatures to get those, that Cersei would lock up at minus 18, minus three degrees in Nevada. Um, it was hard to keep those things running in the minus temperatures, but it's, it really isn't rocket science. If guys will just go out figure out what their primary food source is. If there are cottontail rabbits everywhere, for heaven's sakes, play cottontail. If there are jackrabbits running everywhere, 
you better be playing the jackrabbits, but you can't skip the little stuff, the rodents, the the ground-dwelling mammals. You can't skip the deer. You can't skip the elk fawn distress. You can't skip the the mule deer fawn, the 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 pronghorn, the antelope fawn. You just can't skip that stuff because it might be what they're really hammering on. It's uh, that's good stuff, Al. We're starting to run out of time here. I got one question for you. One thing I'd like you to leave us with. What is your number one tip for fall coyote calling from through mid-September all the way through October, first part of November? What would be your number one coyote calling tip that you'd like to like to tell somebody that could help them get a couple extra coyotes through this time frame? It's the most coyotes of the year. Get to where you can see. And I'm, you know, you you can't cover 360. It's just almost, I've only sat a couple stands in my life where I honestly thought I could see 360 and get it done. It's just not, it, it just isn't really possible out in the woods. It just doesn't happen very often. I mean, I've only made three or four stands in my life where I honestly thought I could see 360 degrees. The coyotes aren't going to pick me out and I'm going to see any coyote that comes within 500 yards. It just, that is such a rare animal. So set yourself up for success this time of year. They're the dumbest coyotes of the year. They're only getting educated every day from here on out. Right. Even dogging as much as we did during the summer, we educated some of these pups. Right. But there are pups out there that have never smelled a human, never seen a human, and have never re- never reacted to a call before. So you've got this plethora of dumb animals out there that if you will set yourself up with a little elevation or a cut hay field, a cut plow, or a good plowed field on the edge of some of this hardwoods that you just know these coyotes are in. If you will set yourself up on the edge of this, move that collar, position those coyotes to the open. And the way it takes more experience, it's one thing to sit here and talk on a podcast and tell you to position coyotes with the Fox Pro. But the more you do it, the more you'll understand what Al Morris is saying. If you will position those coyotes, and one of the best guys you can watch in the whole planet, if you want to watch somebody position coyotes, is watch what John Collins does in Kentucky. He is positioning those coyotes where he is going to get a shot at them. And I'm going to let John talk about it before we close this, but use that collar to position those coyotes in the most open area you can find. And you will put more fur in the truck. You'll put more fur in the fur shed and you will become a badass Fox pro killing mofo because you hung out with John and Al Morris. Hey Al, I I appreciate the kind words, especially, especially coming from you. And, And you're totally right about positioning coyotes. You can, if you've got a good idea where your coyotes are at, and uh, you can actually position your call without how you're sitting and your wind direction, and you can actually place those coyotes exactly where you want them to. And I kind of learned that out of necessity, you know, kind of doing what me and you do for a living. You know, I had to get into yep. uh, self-filming quite a bit. Video. So, 
I have to yeah. make sure everything plays out just perfect because those coyotes have got to read the script for me to get those coyotes on film, self-filming. So I learned a lot doing that. I learned that, hey, you know, I can set this call over here to the right with this right-to-left crosswind, and I can put my rifle over to the left, and I can make those coyotes come to the front of my gun barrel without me having to move it. So that move. is – and just like you said, you just kind of got to make uh, – you got to get experience in. You got to make uh, – have time in the field time on stand they can watch they can watch me and you on video a thousand times and it won't be the same as when they position their first coyote into that open area into that cattle pasture into that meadow into that cornfield that's been cut into that hay field that's been mowed into that plowed field that that chip field you know those coyotes are living out in that corn this time of year and all of a sudden that corn's gone yes and they they lost their, they spent all summer in that. They had all the water they needed. And then when that corn ripened, if it was sweet corn, they were eating it right on the damn stock. And now that corn is knocked and gone or they're, they're, they're cutting that corn and those coyotes are going to be repositioned and you can reposition them right back out into those, into those fields where they lived all summer. They feel really confident where they were and you can trick them into that rabbit that's sitting out there in that stubble, you can trick them to come back out one more time and it'll be the last time they ever do. Cause yes, you're going to put that Ruger, you're going to put that Ruger on there with that Leopold and the Hux works up front shooting the Hornady. And we're going to put them in the ground. And by golly, John, I, I don't know what else I can say about fall calling. Um, other than to go out, test it, get you the new Fox pro. We got some dynamite units. We've got some dynamite sounds. We teamed up with MFK. I just really, I don't think you'll get a better made caller anywhere than the American made Fox pros. And I don't think you'll get any better sound libraries than the Fox pro sound library teamed up with MFK. I really think that just that alone, the Fox pro sound list and the MFK sound list, you're going to put more fur in the truck. If you just listen to what we say, huh, John? That's right. And I, that's great advice. I couldn't have said any of that any better, Al. We got, just like you said, awesome units made by an awesome company. Two of the the two top sound libraries out there that you can play through those speakers, just the best, the best, you know, the best out there. Only one one other tip I'll leave everybody with for this time of year, just kind of build off what Al said because he was spot on. Is uh, if you do call a coyote, say you're early in the stand, you call a coyote, one comes screaming in, you put you put a bullet in and get him knocked down. Keep calling because this is one of those time Absolutely. of years like we was talking about. You can really stack up those numbers because like we was talking about. All these family members are still in the same general area. Just because you call a single earlier, early in the stand, doesn't mean you're not still calling coyotes that haven't got there yet. So keep calling. Al, I know you've done this for years. This time of year, when most of my, a lot of my doubles and triples and quads are all singles in the same stand. You call one coyote, kill it. I killed five coyotes in October. They all trickled in about yep. a minute apart. Right. And I just kept stacking them up on each other. They would yes, sniff sir. the dead one. Yes, sir. And, man, when you stack five on one stand, you think you are the man. <laughs> you are when you do that. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's and it's because they were all – they were – they they heard the commotion. They heard the – and that was before I was shooting suppressed. I'm really going for a six a six-pack sometime. Uh, now that I got the Hux works on the front of that gun, but you're right on, John. Keep calling because you just don't know. Hey, Al, we appreciate you coming on, old buddy. Well, anytime, John. We got to get a we got to get a hunt plan. We kind of our 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 October plan kind of got screwed up, but we'll uh, we'll punt. We'll find somewhere else to go hang out.
Hey, that sounds awesome to me. Hey, good luck next week. Uh, hope hopefully you and Al catch up to a wolf pack. I hope y'all get a wolf or two down. No, me and me and Tom, I, I'm I'm leaving three a.m. picking Tom up at four forty-five. We will be first light. We will be on stand somewhere tomorrow morning. Awesome! Can't wait to see how that unfolds. If you guys, uh, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Please join us again right here on the Fox Pro Podcast. <laughs>